everyone, good morning or good afternoon. This is Gilbert Jalot. I'm talking to you here from Private Corporate Council at downtown Orlando. This is Tufts on Tax, where all your tax issues and questions are answered right here with Mr. T. Scott Tufts. Uh, you can call him at 877-647-7887. Again, that number is 877-647-7887. You have it on the screen if you're watching YouTube. And you can email him at stufts at cp... Uh, pcc.law. Again, that's uh, stuffs at pcc.law. Uh, hello, Scott. How are you today? Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. And today, uh, I'm kind of a little puzzled with this uh, uh, subject or topic that we're going to uh, mention, which is Section 530. So, what is that? All right. So, um, Section 530 is an interesting provision in the tax law. It deals with those who are trying to make the uh, a proper and good faith determination of whether some a set of workers are independent contractors or employees. So what Section 530, unique to the tax law, tries to do is say that because the determination of employee and independent contractor is a balancing test, you use these factors and you, you weigh it and so forth, if you can show and you meet certain criteria, you can show that you acted in good faith in making a determination. If the government comes in and says, and the IRS comes in and says, we're going to reclassify your workers as employees. If you can show that you classify those workers in it with a good faith basis, a good faith determination, and you meet the criteria of Section 530, it acts as a safe harbor to prevent the government from reclassifying the workers so i think of it like if it's a judgment call and you you did everything right to make that determination in good faith meeting the criteria of section 530 then section 530 acts as a bulwark or a stoppage of that that reclassification effort by the government does that make sense yeah so the idea is that if you if you are facing an audit or uh, questions about the classification of workers, then you're ideally going to want to first look to Section 530 and determine if you've got that in place. But even more so, you're going to want to make sure that um, you are able to um, look at this provision on the front end. So from a planning standpoint, any business that has independent contractors in in and workers, Gilbert, they need to know have they or can they meet the Section 530 issue, you know, on the front end. So whether you're audited or not, all businesses need to look at whether they how they would fare under Section 530 for the classification of their independent contractors, you know, any workers and so forth for that on that basis. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so it's on the business responsibility? Yes, so it would be the business side, not the worker side. Okay. So the business would say, uh, you, let's just take any business, any business out there that has a set of workers, right? Is the number, does the number vary? I mean, does it matter? Nope, oh. doesn't matter. It's just that the idea is, is that if you're trying to look at a group of workers, right, you're going to want to break them down by some similarity so like 
So let's let's kind of talk about what what um, we've got here. Is there's a case out of the tax court May 18th um, that uh, of this year uh, that helps us understand that these issues come up. In the case, it was a medical practice, Cardiovascular Center LLC, and uh, the site just for our audience is uh, the tax court memo 2023-64, and uh, it's in the tax court. And it amplifies and walks through what do you do when, and in this case, it was a doctor that had a LLC medical practice. And in the medical practice, he wholly owned the medical practice. Now, um, he had an office manager and he had a number of medical assistants that helped in the practice. Now, uh, what's important is they were treated as independent contractors, okay? Uh, the 1099s, though, were not issued uh, with respect to them, and uh, that became a problem, or it doesn't appear that they filed the 1099 forms that need to get filed, so that's a problem, okay? Because under 530, uh, if you're acting in good faith and you've got all your 1099s filed, you've, you've looked at the issue in advance, you've determined it in good faith. So if you don't file the 1099s and they are required mm -hmm. to be filed, see, that's an important point because sometimes there's situations where maybe you don't have to file a 1099. But uh, Section 530, one of its criteria is that you've filed all necessary information returns. Got it? So in this case, they didn't do that. So as he's defending against the reclassification of the medical assistants and the office manager, then he was defending and said, well, I have 530 relief. I, you know, I'm going to claim Section 530, this kind of bulwark protection. Mm -hmm. So that's, even, that's before you even get to whether they are or are not employees. See how that would be? Oh, so, wow. so basically, when you're a business, you have to look at the issue and say, okay, let's look at a worker. Are they... Uh, independent contractor or are they employee okay and then you go through the criteria it's just that in the tax world there's an additional step you should go through which is in your planning you should say you know how would we fare under section 530 okay and you'd want to get that because if you believe you're going about all these steps and you have a good faith basis right so that so in this case the doctor practice said, hey, we think we've got Section 530. Hey, I think they're really independent contractors. And they lose. Mm -hmm. And they lose because they couldn't get 530 relief for because they didn't file the 1099s. Okay? Now, what's more important and interesting to me is that Ms. Uh, one of the office manager was a registered health information technologist. All right. Now, interesting. a professional. So when you involve yourself with professionals, many times those professionals are independent by their nature. Mm -hmm. Let's say they, they, they kind of do their own thing. They have their own. You don't control what they do. They have a separate kind of aspect to what they do. Um, Hold on. So the office manager, uh, was he also an employee or a 1099? No. So the, this was a 1099. Oh, he was a 1099. But didn't, didn't get the 1099. That's a problem. Uh -huh. But here's what gets interesting, at least from the, the facts as they came out in the case. Um, and I'm reading um, the part. Um, Janine Smith works with the doctor in his medical practice as the office manager and as a registered health information technologist. 
Is okay. that what you mean by professional? So they have a, a right. I'm just pointing out that this office manager had a dual capacity mm-hmm. in the role that they were in. Wow. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is that then says, according to the facts, again, just reading the case, mm-hmm. says Miss Smith was not paid directly by petitioner. Mm-hmm. Right. However, the doctor paid her personal bills such as her mortgage payments on homes titled in her name since they lived together. Really? Oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, why is he? <laughs> That's kind of unusual. And so she claimed that she volunteered and helped out in the practice without getting paid. This sounds shady. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to say shady in the sense that I don't know how this came across. Hmm. But I do want to point out that, think about this, if if you're paying someone's bills for them, mm. and in return... Mm-hmm. They're doing a, a work they're, for you. They're working something. for you. Yeah, how is that classified? Well, that's... You, but do you see the dilemma? Because yeah. what happens is the quid pro quo or the... the, the mm. Is there a quid pro quo? Meaning what I'm mm. getting at is... Uh, if I say I'm volunteering my time, you see many spouses, right? You see a spouse go into the office or work or a significant other will come in and and support their significant other by helping in the business, right? Yeah. And the question will become at what point does it kind of go into something else? And all I'm saying is in this case, it, it talks about the fact that there were no formal agreements in place or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ms. Smith testified that she volunteered without remuneration to help out in the practice. But was this on paper? Well, written on these weren't the there wasn't a written agreement. But mm. but what I'm what I'm getting at is if Ms. Smith is um, um, having personal bills paid, which you would. It's not so strange in the world of people living together, right? Yeah, but but professionally, professionally, mm-hmm. if they're also working together mm-hmm. and they're not getting paid while they're working, mm-hmm. you can see the relationship, yeah. and that appears to be what happened here. Um, I'm looking for any uh, details or facts of what that amount was, and I don't see it in the uh, in the case or the write up. Um, Someone is abusing the system. Well, but here's what it says. Um, it says um, there is no indication that there were um, any uh, opportunities to seek profit or loss from the practice for the these workers um, other than working. Uh, they were um, there was uh, apparently um, payments of interest payments per year to various banks on behalf of loans. Uh, the amount of the interest payments alone was uh, varied from six hundred seventeen dollars to thirty-five thousand. Um, and so, what what I'm you know again maybe uh, maybe it's it's not a surprise, but if you are in a situation where you're working and you're not getting paid yeah they were working yeah no well well, i don't i don't know i don't know working but (laughs) but the point is that if you find yourself in a situation Mm -hmm. all the only point i'm making on this gilbert is if 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 you're not careful in these situations 
you have to look at okay economics are such that i can pay you directly mm -hmm. or i might be paying you indirectly correct correct and so if that's not happening um because of these arrangements then they might have a collateral effect on this kind of issue the business yeah so i'm not just I, I guess what i'm saying is that you can have an understanding with someone that hey i'll do this for this and this and this but it won't work but if you don't analyze it if you don't analyze it carefully you yes. can mess up a whole lot more mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's what happened here it, yeah they they're, up they're the... not careful mm -hmm. they uh, they fell into other problems just because of that yeah they're exchanging um favors or whatever uh right. working and and know, living together or whatever yeah but but so now this this kind of gets us to the idea that um many charities and many other places have ch have volunteer workers correct mm. volunteers right give of their time correct yeah so you know those are a, a lot of charities exactly of, yeah and people graciously give of their time true and in a sense their labor is contributed right Right, you don't yes. you don't charge for my volunteer of mm -hmm. time. Um, so, but you got to look at the relationship carefully to make sure there isn't some indirect benefit being provided. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You have to indicate it just in case if you're audited or right. So if I'm helping out a charity and and uh, I'm working, you know, and I'm claiming to be a volunteer. Mm -hmm. so far so good right but at what point if the charity picks up the tab mm -hmm. right for what gas mileage um other expenses at what point is that an indirect payment that needs to factor into whether that's a a wage well sometimes you or a payment of some kind you know remuneration yeah. Well, sometimes you volunteer, and then uh, uh, who you're vo volunteering for, either a church Provides or a organization, perk, or, right? uh, they want to, you know, reward you somehow. You didn't ask for it, but they want to, like, uh, is that considered as a gift? Income? Or income. I mean, so they want to reward looks like you. a gift. So or, if you want to reward someone, mm. right, and you're, like you say, a church, and you're mm -hmm. rewarding someone for their contribution. Mm -hmm. what's it, it doesn't look like a contribution anymore yeah right because there's a relationship between right so in those settings you certainly would want a separation between the two mm -hmm. and you'd want it to test out in your mind that it's not a relationship mm -hmm. that the reward or the payment is tied in in any way to the labor or the work performed correct okay yeah right so that has to be classified or clarified on paper on agreements right uh they're the 20 people are volunteering for me for free correct and they this is what they yeah do and i think and and i think there's you know there's paperwork that goes along with your volunteer hours sure. you can keep track of that mm -hmm. and uh you can um clarify that with the charitable organization mm -hmm. the bylaws the things like that but where those things are not clarified then there's going to be an issue of the scrutiny that must be given to those relationships. And so that this, this case we're talking about here mm -hmm. starts, reminds us of one little small principle mm -hmm. that's important, which is yeah. if you have any kind of, you know, here it was the, um, 
the personal benefits provided mm -hmm. by the doctor for the office manager, yes. essentially, right? You know, and so I think um, the, the 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 big picture here, the takeaway, is be very careful with these indirect payment concepts mm -hmm. and how you look at the relationship beyond just the the literal I'm a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And you, and you break it down a little bit more, make sure that there's no indirect payments. Well, here's a question for you, and I don't know if this is correct, uh, good or uh, right or not. Um, I mean, they could have, yeah, they have a relationship, and she's working for him, but they could have kept it on paper, okay, I'm paying her this much and this much, and I hire her for this. But not nobody knows you're living together. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows you have a relationship. Uh, yeah, he's paying. He's using that amount to pay whatever he's paying her, right. uh, indirectly or directly, whatever it is, uh, paying her bills, her car, whatever. Right. But he's putting it on paper. Not I'm paying this. I'm paying this right. for paying her this amount. Like let's say like the form of it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're right. And then this gets back to. What happens if the relationship sours? Yeah. Then what What will one party say the understanding was and what will the other? Exactly. And then, oh, he didn't pay me. He right. just paid We this. had an informal agreement that I would get paid at least this much in either mm -hmm. cash or mm -hmm. paid directly, right? Or mm -hmm. paid indirectly, you know, through the payment of bills and whatnot, right? So everything has to look, uh, be written and look formal. As it should be, because regardless if you're together or not together, mm -hmm. uh, either way, you can actually yeah, and, get out of it or stay in it and, whichever and, way. And so if you have family members in a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right? another one. Yeah, you, 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 look, you go down this road of where your guard is, maybe you drop your guard if that's the right term yeah. or you're less scrutinizing. Mm -hmm. This is why when we talk about the W-9, we, ah. we say best practices is do it for everyone. Don't exactly. do it just for a few because you can say our bit, look, for everyone, mm -hmm. we make no exception. Exactly. And the reason you do that is so that you can tell the friend, mm -hmm. look, we just have a policy. We, we do this all the time. Yeah. Then it's not personal to the friend who might say, hey, look, what? You know, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. You know, right. I, you can trust me or whatever. Business is business. Business can say, hey, no, that we do this for everybody. No mm -hmm. offense. And I think it gives you the out in those situations to be, uh, you know, to get the bona fides uh, there. And Rather do it, that yeah. than fall yeah. into a lawsuit or being court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, it, again, great, great discussion there, Gilbert, about um, how not to drop your guard because you have these kinds of relationships. Actually, in, a, in the business setting, step it up and insist on formality so that there can be no misunderstanding down the yes. road. And so that's good advice. And I think for our, uh, our, our audience uh, and uh, the professionals out there that advise, uh, you certainly want to be on top of that. So if you have a 530 issue, meaning you got an employee independent contractor situation and you're concerned uh, on the front end, this is something you'd want to do from the get-go. So you're starting a business, you got some workers, mm -hmm. you need to say, what do I need to do something to document my 530? And you'll say, what are you talking about? And you say, document my 530 would be, uh, how did you go about making a decision whether someone's independent contractor or employee? Absolutely. Right? And did you go about it saying, I looked at it, I got some advice, I got it in writing, I put it in a folder, or mm -hmm. what was the 
what was the approach taken to decide that? Um, it's not the only way to get 530 protection because, again, it's very broad. It says, what was your reasonable basis? What was your interpretation? You know, it has to be um, a good reason. It's a good faith basis. Mm -hmm. So there's and there's criteria like they'll say uh, one of the things they'll look at is um, similar workers. Mm -hmm. 530 cannot be you, you can't you can't like jump around and have a situation where 530 would come in and help when um, but you didn't consistently treat the same type of workers the same way mm -hmm. over a period of time. Right, so you can't like kind of go one year this, that one year that. Now, if job description changes, then someone may change from independent contractor employee or vice versa, yeah. based on what they're That's doing or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot more to it to unpack. So if you get a Section 530 issue, then certainly someone like myself can assist in that kind of situation and uh, one you'd want to look at. Okay. You heard him, folks. Call Mr. T. Scott Tufts. Step it up and document everything, clarify everything. Call him at 877-647-7887. Again, that number is 877-647-7887. Or email him and ask him all the questions you want and schedule a consultation with him at stufts at pcc.law. That's S-T-U-F-T-S at pcc.law. You can visit our website at uh, privatecorporatecouncil.com. Thank you and have a wonderful day.